Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. AHOP TV empowers believers with spirit-inspired messages and strategic equipping that accelerates your spiritual growth. You can subscribe to stream weekly content from Awakening House of Prayer, conferences, and other exclusive content to stir your hunger and encourage your heart. Visit us online at ahop.tv. Welcome to The Jennifer LeClaire Show. I'm interviewing some awesome guests and sharing personal insights along the way to stir your faith. Hope you enjoy it. Hey guys, Jennifer LeClaire here with you, Senior Leader of the Awakening House of Prayer, founder of the Ignite Network. I want you to share, 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 because we're going to get into some stuff today that you're going to not only want to listen to one time, but listen to twice. You're going to want your friends to hear it. You may not agree with all of what we say. You may agree with everything we say. This broadcast is guaranteed to get you thinking, to get you talking. And this is a subject, the end times, that we need to be thinking and talking about. There's been a lot of talk just in the last two, three months. I see people really uh, pushing into debates and discussions on the end times. And, you know, I look at it this way. You know, we don't all have it right. Uh, We don't all have it all figured out. I believe when we get to heaven, we're all going to realize that we've got some things that weren't quite accurate that we believe. But this topic, you know, left behind, rapture, pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, you know, who's going to stay here to preach the gospel? These sorts of things are things of a prophetic nature, end times prophecies. And, you know, I am here today uh, with a good friend of mine. I've known uh, our Lauren Sanford for many, 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 many years. I think we first started talking back in 2003. 2004. So this man of God, who I'm going to bring on screen here with me, um, he has a tremendous uh, prophetic ministry. He has a tremendous worship ministry, has a tremendous church, and he's a tremendous author. He's written so, so, so many books. And the newest one is called A Vision of Hope for the End Times, Why I Want to Be Left Behind. As you can imagine, this is a very controversial title and uh, something that we need to ponder. But uh, Lauren, tell Tell, tell, uh, tell the audience a little bit about you, about your church, and why you wrote this book. Well, my church is uh, New Song Church and Ministries, Denver, Colorado. We're in the north end of town, buried in snow just now. <laughs> and uh, I'm the founding <laughs> pastor. Uh, gosh, we've been 26 and a half years now. So, wow. And I've had a traveling ministry. Um, um, gosh, what else can I say? Uh, was up to my eyeballs in the Toronto uh, revival. Oh, wow. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, served on the International Input Council there for like 14 years. And uh, so I'm kind of marinated in charismatic things. <laughs> <laughs> Came up in the Jesus movement, you know, and 
all that controversy about when Jesus is going to return, 88 reasons why Jesus will return in 1988. Remember all that stuff? Yes. <laughs> what I like to say now is Jesus is uh, Jesus is 19 years late. <laughs> so. it, it would seem so. There's been a lot of talk about these kinds of things. What, what made you tackle this subject? What made you write this book, A Vision uh, of, of Hope for the End Times? Well, I pondered it for a long time. I mean, there was so much debate when I was in seminary in the mid-70s. I went to seminary at uh, Fuller Seminary and right in the middle of the Jesus movement. Mm. And um, everybody was talking about Jesus is going to return at any time, you know, that kind of stuff. I was schooled. I mean, absolutely drilled in good exegesis, um, the Greek, the Hebrew, when I was in seminary. And I, I couldn't buy a lot of what was being said. And so I pondered it for a long time, and I've read the craziness that's been published about the Book of Revelation, mm-hmm. and I, you know, and I just I thought it it just cannot it can't be that complicated to begin with. And so you know, after basically a lifetime of examining all the passages, looking at the culture of the day in which it was written, the nature of the literature, uh, a lot of people don't understand that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was happening then? I mean, just a lot of issues. I thought, you know, I need to unravel this. And the body of Christ needs to be prepared for what's coming. That's been my heart for a long time, is to prepare the body of Christ for the things that are coming. And we're not ready. You know, pre-trib, yeah. I'll just say it up front, pre-trib rapture theory does not prepare us for what's coming. I agree. It, it just doesn't. <laughs> No, it, it really doesn't. I, I've never been a pre-tribber. You know, there's pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, and there's so much debate and speculation. But a lot of the pre-trib rapture theology, in my experience, causes people to get lukewarm or lazy. They lose a sense of urgency about the gospel. And you know, the Lord has recently really encountered uh, my heart about souls again, going after souls and an yes. evangelistic thrust. And I believe that's a sign of the times. But but you're right. There's so many theologies. There's so much debate. And we're not we're not prepared. And one of the one of the, uh, the 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 earmarks or the functions of a prophet is actually to prepare the way for the Lord. And so that's yes. what you're doing with this book. Yeah, to prepare the body of Christ. You know, and it's not. I agree with everything you just said. But um, the thing that gets missed sometimes is that pre-trib rapture theory is defeatist. It's yes. like it's like we lose the fight and then we're raptured away because we lost the fight. Um, this is a this is a book of victory. We get to win. I mean, if there's one line that gets repeated in this book over and over again is, yeah, we're going to get raptured, but not one minute before we win. Right. Um, You just find that throughout scripture. We've been given a gospel of victory, not a gospel of defeat. That's right. And the other thing that went wrong with us during the Jesus movement was when we bought into pre-tribulation rapture theory, uh, we robbed our children of their future. I mean, we were going to get raptured out anytime soon. And, and what it did was it cut short the three-generational vision that God has always articulated, mm. that you, your son, and your grandson, when we buy into a pre-tribulation escapist um, you know, doctrine, we've robbed our children of their destiny. So. Yeah. That's that's a really good point. And actually, you know, this millennial generation, I've got a lot of millennials around me. I'm sure you have some in your church. Yeah, church. 
they don't like this. They don't, they, they want to feel like they can live their lives, have their kids, make an impact, do something for God. And this pre-trib rapture theology tends to uh, sort of take the wind out of your sails. It, 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 it is, it's, it's a defeatist uh, mentality. And I know that there's people watching us who aren't going to agree. So wh what's your basis of scripture? I don't want to get too far into deep, deep, deep theological, but what one scripture could you point them to that, that would encourage them to sort of examine that perhaps pre-trib is not the right viewpoint on the end times? Well, there are actually two or three of them. I mean, the very first thing is Jesus said immediately after the tribulation of those days, he'll send forth his angels, he'll gather his elect from the four winds of heaven. Yeah. And I like to say to people, what part of after did you not understand? <laughs> and then right after that, it says that in, in, in the last days, it'll be just like the days of Noah. One is taken and another left, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, what people miss is just like the days of Noah, what happened in the days of Noah? Mm. Who got taken out? The, the, the unrighteous got taken out. Who yes. remained on earth and inherited the earth? Noah. So people have had it backwards. They've used that, that passage in, in Matthew 24 about Noah to justify or to, or to teach that we get raptured out. But it's the unrighteous that got taken out. And then there's the parable... Jesus' parables. He told the parable of the of the tares of the field. Mm -hmm. And he says very clearly, first, gather up the tares, then gather the wheat into the barn. So it's first the unrighteous who are gathered out of his kingdom, mm. and then the righteous are gathered in. And it's just consistent throughout Scripture. And then it's not a prepare to escape message. It's a prepare to endure message. It's mm. he who endures to the end the same shall be saved. Well, pre-tribulation rapture teaching is not an endurance teaching. It's an escape teaching. <laughs> That's right. That is so good. I love this book. I love the title. I've got a copy here uh, with me. I've been through it, A Vision of Hope uh, for the End Times. And I love the, the hopefulness of the message because a lot of end times messages, quite frankly, they breed fear. They breed confusion. Yes. People are scared to death. They're scared of getting left behind. And, you know, a healthy fear of the Lord is, 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 is a good thing. But to be scared, that's, you know, that the Lord doesn't give us a spirit of fear. And so, you know, talk about this, how some of these end times theologies really bring, bring fear and, and how your book will help people to overcome that fear. Well, here, you know, people are always afraid of the Antichrist. You know, the Antichrist yes. is coming. Look out. There's a one world government coming. Oh, how do I unravel this? <laughs> <laughs> you got to buy the book. Yes. <laughs> Get the um, book. One world government. Let's take a look at that. There's this thing we call prophetic perspective. The first thing you have to do is understand that the book of Revelation was not written in a vacuum. Mm. It was written in the first century, first for people who lived in the first century. You know, people who were facing real situations. That's why the book opens with seven letters to seven very real churches that were facing very real problems. And so it had to apply to them. So it's rooted in history. And um, so the passages about persecution, even the one world government, as far as they knew, Rome ruled the entire, it, Rome ruled as much of the world as was worth ruling. <laughs> yes, and so some right. of that, some of that refers directly to the Rome of, of their day. But there's this thing called prophetic perspective. Uh, real prophecy speaks to the present, to the, to the future, and to the distant future. And sometimes, yes. all at one time. It's like, it's like um, you got into your computer and we're working with Photoshop, and you layered things, you know, so that you can see three different photos at one time. That's mm -hmm. what we call prophetic perspective.
That's so good. Yeah, and so you get all this stuff blended, and then you have to sort it out. Matthew 24 is a prime example of prophetic perspective. The disciples say, you know, when is the end of the age, and when all these things— Jesus had just told them the temple was going to be destroyed, stone by stone. And they said, when will these things happen? When will be the end of the age and the sign of your coming? Well, they asked three different questions that applied to three different periods of time. Mm. And Jesus kind of had to unravel it. And Mm. so what happened was the temple was torn down stone by stone in 70 AD after the Jewish rebellion. At the end of the Jewish rebellion, the Romans came, tore the city down, wrecked everything. Um, Jesus hasn't returned yet. That's yet future. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as you read on in the book, you see you see these layers. You see that, yes, there, it talks about persecution. You'd be hated by all men on account of my name. Well, that mm-hmm. happened in the first century. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it happened in the proportion that Jesus was talking about. Mm-hmm. And so we look for something yet to come. And then Jesus says, this gospel first be preached um, in all of the, among, to all the peoples, to all the nations, the ethnoi, which in the Greek, the plural for for uh, ethnic groups, and then the end will come. Well, that didn't happen in Jesus' day. That's yet to come. That's right. And, and it's very close. Some of the figures that I remember, now this is all to illustrate prophetic perspective, but mm-hmm. yes. some of the figures that I've heard in, in, in recent years, when I was in seminary in the mid-70s, they told me there were 25,000 people groups that had not had a chance to, to hear the gospel. I think it was 10 or 15 years ago that was down to 3,000. Mm-hmm. I met with... And, you know, people will give you different numbers, but I, I met with probably five years ago, I met with a group of people who, who know missions intimately. And they were telling me they had just come from a meeting where they had, where they said there were like 200 people groups left. And in this meeting, for the first time, mission agencies were cooperating with each other um, to strategize who would reach which groups. Now, whatever numbers you're working with, you got to know that we're close. Mm-hmm. Um, but you see this prophetic perspective thing. Another example of prophetic perspective would be Joel's prophecy in Joel 2.28. And when you, he talks about the spirit being poured out on all flesh, that the the moon will be dark and sun won't give its light. Uh, There'll be columns of smoke. Um, And by the way, (laughs) the the Hebrew word for columns of smoke is troubling because it literally translates palm trees of smoke. Wow. What does that sound like? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So then you come to the day of Pentecost. Peter stands up and preaches and he says, this is the fulfillment of Joel's of Joel's prophecy. Not everything happened on the day of Pentecost that Joel prophesied. And so you see it as one fulfillment, but you look for something greater that is the, the fullness of what was prophesied as prophetic perspective. Things are layered. Um, now people get all scared about that one world government. I'll go back to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they get all scared about that. I'm not sure that applies to today. And mm. when people say, oh, there's this, this uh, I think that might have been first century. There, people, people, people say, you know, there's this one world government coming, look out. But one of the tests of, of, of a prophetic word, whether it's accurate, is, is what I call the reality test. Mm. What's the reality? The reality is that, we're, that the world is fragmenting. Every little ethnic group wants to be its own nation. That's right. You know, the Soviet Union broke up. Um, the, the England is leaving um, the European Union. That's right. Um, people were worried about, you know, they were saying oh, 10 nations revived Roman Empire. Well, there's 27 of them now in the European Union. So that's right. You know, what happened to that? That's right. Uh, so, you know, the trend is not toward 
Now, if there is a one world sort of government, it's a one world culture that has developed and that is developing. Um, that's fueled, in my opinion, very literally by the demon Baal. Most people say Baal. Yeah. Um, people are all thinking the same way. People are, are accepting demonic precepts as if they were self-evidently true. And that's emanating largely from our country. It's driven by our entertainment in industry, where we begin to accept um, things that are clearly immoral in Scripture as normal, acceptable. Yes. And you're a bigot if you don't agree. That's right. And, uh, and it just goes on and on. Uh, there, uh, I don't think I talk about that in this book. I talk about it in another book where I say there are four signs of the dominant influence of the Baal spirit on a culture. And all four of them are evident in our culture and gaining ground very, very quickly. Um, yeah, that's, uh, they, they, they are, it is. You, I see it uh, everywhere that I go. I see, uh, not just in America, I think Europe was almost a model with some of the darkness that came into Europe, and now we're seeing it come here. Yes. Uh, but, but the signs of the times are all around us. Uh, we, we see major ministries shifting their focus, like Lou Engle with, you know, changing from the send to the call. Everybody talked about Billy Graham and his mantle mm -hmm. falling. So the focus is on souls in a way that I haven't seen it since yes. the last Jesus movement. So it's interesting that during that last Jesus movement is when this same sort of theology began to emerge. And now in this in this coming second Jesus movement, movement, as many people are calling it, we're seeing a lot more thoughtfulness about end times theology and a lot fewer people are leaning towards pre-trip. I, I, what was it? Was it Schofield's Bible where that first appeared? I, I my memory fails, but this actually, this pre-trib stuff goes way, 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 way back. Well, actually, the pre-trib stuff was unheard of in church history before 1830. Mm. And you would think that if it was such an obvious scriptural teaching that somebody would have come up with it before then. <laughs> That's right. There was, uh, there was a revival going on in Scotland around 1830. And there was a young prophetic woman named Margaret MacDonald who was very, very sick. She wasn't well-versed in scripture, but she had a good vision that the Lord was coming. That, you know, that's what a lot of times when God is about to send revival, he says, I'm coming soon. And people tend to misinterpret that. Mm -hmm. so she began to put this stuff out. She used a lot of scriptures, uh, spiritualized a lot of scriptures and misused them. And a guy named Irving and another guy named Charles Darby got a hold of it and crafted the pre-trib rapture theory that had been unheard of in church history before that. Um, it was really appealing. It, it came out of dispensational theology. And it's mm -hmm. amazing to me that it was called dispensational theology. The, the idea that God is only doing certain things during certain periods of history. It's amazing to me that so many charismatic Christians have bought into a doctrine that is dispensational. Dispensational theology denies that the gifts of the Spirit are for today. <laughs> and all these charismatic Christians have bought into this dispensational theology that's, <laughs> that we call pre-trib rapture. It's it's uh, it's just insane. It's it's appealing. I'd like to escape. <laughs> <You know>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some days I would too. I'm reminded of the scripture. David, he said uh, in one of the Psalms, oh, that I was a bird and I could just fly, fly away. Yeah. You know, life is hard and I can understand why some Christians would want to just get out of here and go to heaven. I get it. Yeah. But we've been left here by the Lord to be salt and light, to do the work of the ministry, the work of the evangelist, to, you know, signs and wonders and all these things. Yes. So. So we've got to be about our our father's business, but let, let me let me touch on the second part of your your, your book title. We're talking about the book. Uh, this is Lauren Sanford with me. A vision of hope 
for the end times, why I want to be left behind. So, you know, when you hear the words left behind, you, you sort of remember the left, you know, the Tim LaHaye books and the movies <laughs> with Kirk Cameron, the left behind language and the preacher, uh -huh. suddenly he's left behind and his whole church has been raptured. And, and so <laughs> it, it hits some emotions when you say, yeah. I want to be left behind. What do you actually mean by that? Yeah. <laughs> Not not to be disparaging, but that Tim LaHaye stuff's great entertainment, but that's where <laughs> Amen. it's, you know, it's really simple. When I say I want to be left behind, it's, it's simply that the unrighteous are gathered out first and we inherit the earth. Yeah. You know, it, it, Jesus said it in the, in another place that Jesus said it was in the Sermon on the Mount, that the, blessed are the gentle for they shall what? Inherit the inherit earth. The earth. Yep. And if you do the King James, it's blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Um you know, again, the Noah thing, it's the unrighteous who get taken out. Noah inherited the earth. Um, but at the end of the age, we get to, we're changed in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet as we rise to meet the Lord in the air. And we meet those who've passed on before us. And then as I read the, the as I read the end time teaching in the Bible, what I see is that we meet the Lord in the air, we're changed in the twinkling of an eye, and we come, and, and the earth is renewed as well. Mm -hmm. New heavens and a new earth, and that's we come right. to rule and reign on a renewed earth. Um, that's the that that's the good news. In addition to there being a great end time harvest, even in the midst of the darkness that gathers, and that's coming. You can't deny that. That's scripture. Mm -hmm. That's right. But in the midst of that, we rule, we reign. There's a tremendous outpouring of the Holy Spirit that I believe will be greater than the day of Pentecost. We will see a harvest worldwide greater than the day of Pentecost, even as as the as there's a gathering darkness, what I put up on my computer screen because I wanted to I wanted to share it with people is Isaiah saw this, you know, way back. I mean, <laughs> hundreds of years before Jesus even came. Here's the promise. Um, some of this was for Israel when they came back from exile, but again, there's prophetic perspective, and not all of this was fulfilled in Israel. So mm -hmm. Isaiah 60, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, deep darkness the peoples, but the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear upon you. Now listen, nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. That never happened for literal Israel. It just did not happen. That's right. But it's our promise. And he goes on to say, lift up your eyes round about and see. They all gather together. They come to you. There's, there's that end time harvest. Your sons will come from afar, and your daughters will be carried in the arms. This, this, is, this is what God promises us. Then you will see and be radiant. Your heart will thrill and rejoice because of the abundance of the, the abundance of the sea will be turned to you. Wealth of the nations will come to you. All of that in the midst of deep darkness covering the nations. Then verse 19, no longer will you have the sun for light by day, nor for brightness will the moon give you light, but you'll have the Lord for an everlasting light and your God for your glory. And in Scripture, we read that that Jesus is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Mm -hmm. Verse 20, um, your sun will no longer set, nor will your moon wane, for you will have the Lord for an everlasting light, and the days of your mourning will be over. Then all your people will be righteous. Um, my computer's being squirrely here. <laughs> Give me a second. Um then all your people will be righteous. Now, how's that going to happen? That happened through Jesus. That never mm -hmm. happened for Israel. 
you know, through Jesus we're cleansed. Then all your people will be righteous. They will possess the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. The smallest one will become a clan, and the least one a mighty nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. Well, some of that was for the Jews when they came back after 70 years of exile. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in prophetic perspective, that never happened in fullness for Israel. It's for us. It was fulfilled in Jesus. So this is our hope. We get to, when it says kings will come to the brightness of your rising, I believe that in these last days, um, it's it's time, I call it the, the Daniel Joseph anointing. It's time for the Daniels to arise again, that kings and rulers would seek out our prophetic people for reliable advice and solutions, just as they, just as, as Nebuchadnezzar sought out Daniel, just as mm-hmm. Pharaoh uh, sought out Joseph and uh, and elevated him to high position. I believe it's time for us to have that kind of a reputation and for solid prophetic people and Christians. Or if you're working in the workplace and mm-hmm. you're an employee, you know, use your spiritual gifts to benefit your, your employer. Kings will come to the brightness of your rising. It's time yes, for that. Yes, yes, yes. That is so good. And, you know, uh, Lauren, you and I were both out at the Global Prophetic Summit in Dallas. Yes together. And um, one of the things that came out of that meeting, it was, oh, I guess about 150 people, prophets from all over the world. And one of the things, well, there was two things that came out of that meeting. One of them was the birthing of a new evangelism, a new evangelism movement. Todd White was there. Um, But the other thing was this emphasis on prophets in government and prophetic voices speaking and advising people in high positions. And it is time. It's time for us to see ourselves as those who carry the wisdom of God, because we do. We carry the spirit of God. He can put words in our mouth at any moment. And I believe as we get deeper and deeper into the end times, you know, the the darkness will be greater, but the light will will be greater. And and God needs us to to be bold, to, to rise up, not to be escaping not to be defeatist, but to be bold, courageous like Joshua and Caleb and take as much yeah. land as we can while the while there's light because the darkness is, is approaching. And so I love this book, a vision, a vision of hope for the end times, because it is it does bring hope and it, 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 it really dispels some of these end times misconceptions. You offer scripture, you break it down in such a practical way. You don't have to be a theologian to understand your book. I love that because there's so many books out there. And it's like, okay, if you're not a theologian and don't speak Hebrew, you you, you don't really you don't really get it. But right. I love your book uh, because of that. And you know, somebody just asked a question here. Um, they asked, well, does this mean that it's the it, the rapture is actually for the unbelievers? Uh, is, is, they're, they're, I think they're misunderstanding what because so, you're saying the unbelievers are going first. So can you just comment on that? Well, the unbelievers are gathered out to be burned up. That's right. (laughs) We get raptured to be with the Lord. We meet him in the air as he comes at the end times, at the last trumpet. So, you know, that's that's the simple explanation that sorts it out very easily. It's not Mm -hmm. that the it's not ever we're all resurrected to a judgment. But uh, the rapture is 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 not for the unbelievers. They're they're gathered out and burned up like chaff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you want to point out, emphasize in this book? We, I know we only have a, a few minutes left, but I want to make sure that we're, we're, we're getting out the message that you want to put out, because this is a powerful book. And obviously, we can't talk about all of it, but I, I encourage everyone to get a copy. But uh, <clears throat> anything else you really want to just drive home? Well, let me just throw some bait out, if I can do that. 
Yes. You know, the book Revelation can be just, if people see it as a very complicated, very difficult book to understand. Mm -hmm. I take time in the book to explain the nature of the literature and to unpack some of the symbols. And one of the things that I've discovered is, you know, people will say, are we in the trumpets? Are we in the bowls? Are we in, you know, what point in that progression are we? And what I, what I say is that each one of them tells the same story from a different perspective. It's like uh, watching a movie and uh, you, you, you watch the movie from, from told from the perspective of one character and then you rewind and tell it from the perspective of another character but it's the same story. It looks very different each time because it's a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And um, I call it the diamond view. It's like, it's like looking at light refracted through uh, a prism coming out in different colors. Or another way that I explain it is, this is just bait to get people to read it, but um, if you were watching the Battle of Gettysburg, which was the turning point battle of the Civil War, mm -hmm. and you were an infantryman, you would tell the story one way. Mm -hmm. Rewind, start it again, and now you're a reporter on a hill overlooking the battlefield. You would tell the story a different way. Rewind, start the story again. Now you're a doctor in the tent, attending to the wounded. Now you're telling the story a different way. And so with the trumpets, you get the, I mean, sorry, with the seals, you get the story told from the perspective of um, the unfolding of the word of God, the fulfilling fulfillment of the word of God, and it ends with the return of Jesus. Rewind, you get the trumpets. Well, in the trumpets, you get um, the announcement of the coming of the king. So it's the same story, different mm -hmm. perspective. And you can go on with that. There are four different aspects to it. There are the, the seven, um, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven significant signs, and seven bowls of the wrath of God. So it simplifies the book for people. But each one ends with the return of Jesus and the victory of the saints. Um, there's a, for me, a very important chapter in there about worship. It's the, the 144,000, and I'll talk really, really fast. No, please go ahead. Yeah, good. <laughs> People think that's somehow literal Israel. Well, there are many aspects to it, but most basically, 12 times 12 is 144. That's 12 patriarchs and 12 apostles. It's a, it's a symbolic number of the whole people of God. A thousand is a symbolic number for many. Just yeah. so it's it's 12, 12 apostles, twelve patriarchs, one hundred and forty four thousand. It's a symbol for the whole people of God, but the people who are really really dedicated, they are sealed in chapter seven against the demonic torment to come. In chapter fourteen, they are the ones who sing a new song to the Lord, which only the hundred and forty four thousand can learn. Um, they are characterized by absolute integrity. There's no lie found in their mouth. They've not defiled themselves with women. That doesn't mean they're all men. That's a metaphor for Israel's unfaithfulness to God. God called Israel a whore. Mm, okay. That's right. So these are the ones who are absolutely dedicated to the Lord. They, they, there's no lie found in their mouth. They follow the lamb wherever he goes, which means they're absolutely obedient to Jesus, 100% committed. And they sing this song, which no one can learn except the 144,000. And so what I write in the book, I want to drive this home is that there, there is, in this end-time revival, it's not just about souls. There's an incredible revolution of, I was going to say revival. The Lord said, no, say revolution. Come on. <laughs> There's a revolution coming in worship. 
in these end times. Yes. And it's, it's, I'm telling you, if you want to move in the spirit, you cannot sit on the back row and not worship, waiting for the moment to use your spiritual gifts. If you're not a worshiper, you will not move in this next move. Come on. That's good. Um, I don't, I don't want to pick on other ministries, but I want to say that three, three nice songs played like you might as well turn on K-Love Radio. <laughs> a nice fluffy sermon and you're out in an hour isn't going to do it. I'm talking about extended worship in these end times. I'm talking about worship that leaves room for God to move. I'm talking about yes. worship. That, uh, we've had miracles happen sovereignly during worship. I mean, sometimes it's a word of knowledge. Sometimes God just does it. I mean, we've had ulcers disappear. We have one man uh, healed of a blind eye right in the middle of worship because we just we pursued worship until there was a breakthrough into the presence of the Lord. Last Sunday, we worshiped an hour and a quarter before we even got to the sermon. <laughs> wow. That's so awesome. it's going to be a worshiping time. There's going to be a new burst of creativity. And what I like to say is that the office of psalmist will be wedded with the office of, of, of prophet. We're going to see prophetic worship leaders. It's not a song set. It's not a gig. Yes. It's not a group of musicians just playing, you know, a, a list. It's creative and powerful. That, that is it. so good. Yeah, no, that's so good. It sounds like that's a, a book that you need to write. I'm sure you touched on it in, in this book, but it sounds like that's that's a message that needs to get out there. Like we do the same thing at our church. They have a song list, of course, but they don't yeah. stick with what the song, you know, they, they venture off and they sing the yes. song of the Lord. And yes. we're, we're not worried about it ending at a certain time. It can go as far as it needs yeah. to. And even though we have two services, you know, we'll just run. I, you know, I always tell people, you know what, with one runs into the other, it's all okay. We've got to put what the Holy Spirit wants to do first exactly. in everything. And, and the worship is so, so important. You know, Satan was a worshiper. He was the worship leader in heaven. Lucifer yeah. was. And so in the end times, I believe God's redeeming that more and more. And it's going to touch the hearts of even the lost because sound, you know, sound, you know, it, it, yeah. it changes even our molecular structures <laughs> and it, it impacts our bodies. Yeah. It's it does. Crazy. Yeah. Amen. Awesome. Well, listen, I want to talk. I want to do another one of these with you at some point, but I okay. want to tell people how to get this book. Um, you can get it. It's called A Vision of Hope for the End Times. The author is Lauren Sanford, and you can go to my book club and get a discounted copy. Go on Facebook, go to Jennifer LeClaire's book club, get in there because there's discount copies of all kinds of books, interviews, videos, to, you know, people discussing the books, asking questions. We're doing polls, all kinds of stuff. Go and get it on Amazon if you want to, but you can go through my uh, Jennifer LeClaire's book club and you can find it in there. You might just scroll around a little bit or, or just, hey, just ask the moderator, hey, where can I find that link? And you'll get your, your discounted copy. Uh, R. Lauren Sandford, it's a vision of hope for the end times, why I want to be left behind. You might not agree with everything in it, but it will get you thinking. The theology is accurate. The scriptures are in there. And you need to think about this. You need to know what your answer is, what you believe, and not just believe what everybody tells you to believe. And this book will help equip you to really chew on these truths. It'll give you hope. It'll eliminate fear. So go pick up your copy. Go to my book club. If you're not on Facebook, just go to Amazon. But Jennifer LeClaire's book club is there for you. A lot of other interviews coming online. I love you guys. Make sure you share this before you get off. And uh, Lauren, thank you so much for being on this interview with me. I so appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. All right. All right. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this podcast. You can visit me online at jenniferleclair.org or sew into Operation Liberation, our missions arm. 
at jenniferleclair.org slash missions. This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APN. Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible.